0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Lima, Peru with my new friend Alex Hildebrand of Soyopisco.com. He was born in Lima and is the founder of Suyo Pisco, an artisanal liqueur that's a local favorite. His family still lives in Lima and he visits frequently for business and to enjoy the food, culture, and geography. In this episode, Alex and I talk about shopping for arts and crafts at Diallo and Bronco, exploring the ruins at Huacapuquiana, and visiting the Museo de Pisco to try their tasting menu hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Peru, I'd love it if you share this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Alex's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Lima. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use Award Wallet to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy to use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today we're talking about Lima, Peru, and it's a city that I've I've, I've seen a, a lot. I, a lot of my friends have traveled there, and it's some, something that it's been on my bucket list of, of places to go. And I'm really excited to have you on the show to share all your tips, and that way when I go, I'm going to have a great time. I'm excited to talk more about it as well. All right, on. So, what's your connection to Lima? So, I was
1: actually born in Lima. Uh, my family is originally from Lima, Peru. So I was born there, moved to the U.S. Uh, at a relatively young age when I was three years old, and uh, have had a chance to visit frequently most of my life, really. Uh, the majority of my family still lives there, so I've gotten to sort of know the ins and outs over the course of my life. And uh, more recently, I started a company in Peru uh, about five, four or five years ago, so I've uh, been traveling there even more frequently
0: recently. Well, fantastic. Yeah, it's always good to kind of go back to your roots, but also to contribute to the local economy by the business that you've started. And we'll definitely talk about the the business as well a little bit later on. So like you said, you've been going back and forth to, to Lima all these years. Like if you had to describe like the, the people or the the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Uh, a couple of words. I would use maybe two two singular words. First, I would say vibrant via the culture,
1: the people, uh, just the overall demeanor of, of people. And then uh, secondly, I would say welcoming. Very, very welcoming culture. Really, really like having it's a it's an economy that's largely driven by tourism. So uh, most people tend to be very, very welcoming to anyone who's there, regardless of culture, creed, etc. So, uh, yeah, just a really, really fun place to go visit uh, if you've never been to Peru before and you'll, you'll typically be welcomed.
0: Right on. Yeah. For us right now, we're recording in, in December. So it's wintertime. I know I'm like in sweats and everything like that here to try to stay warm. But uh, actually, you know, Peru being in the Southern hemisphere, like this is where we're in the middle of the summertime, right? So, like, when do you recommend people come to visit? And are there certain festivals or other events that happen throughout the year that, you know, maybe somebody wants to plan the trip around? Uh, yeah. The best time of the year for
1: me, definitely, it's going to be summertime. So, uh, as you mentioned, Lee, the, because it's the Southern Hemisphere, it's going to be backwards, uh, which ends up working out really well for those of us who live on the Northern Hemisphere. Soon as the the weather turns here, can hop on a flight and get to Lima relatively easily. So I like to go typically between the months of January and March, which uh, really is squarely within the the summer months. And you're able to kind of miss the, so the holidays are very, very, uh, so right now we're recording in December. Uh, it's a really, really busy time to be there. Summertime is tends to be busy as well, but the holidays are the peak season so if you get there kind of mid January you're able to avoid that and then really any time until late March, I would say is really, really perfect before Easter. I think things get very busy again around Easter uh, there's so much to do there in the summertime. Lima, Peru is a coastal city. very much of what's happening in this vibrant culture that I referenced is uh, happening right up against the ocean, so you have an opportunity to visit restaurants, walk along beaches, uh, boardwalks. There's an area in Miraflores, which is a very, really common tourist uh, area to go and that I would highly recommend, which I can talk about a little bit later. There's a kind of like boardwalk park that extends all the way south uh, to Barranco, which is another very common area in that area is called the Malecón. So I always highly recommend for people to go, just go for a walk, go for a run uh, you know, just go hang out on uh, on the grass with uh, a book. Uh, it's really, really peaceful. You get to really soak in just just about every aspect of the city there, and uh, beautiful views. And, and as I said, the restaurants. I mean, everywhere in Lima you are going to find really unique and, and diverse and amazing restaurants. But I would say, in particular, in Miraflores, you you get a cool combo of, of sort of local restaurants, but then also some that tend to be a little bit more touristy, which which are, are great as well. Yeah, summertime and staying close to the coast is is what I would primarily recommend.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you, you mentioned talking about hopping on a flight and going down, uh, going down to Lima. So, are there direct flights from the U.S. to to Lima? And then, once we get to the airport there, do we rent a car? Do we take public transportation? How do we get from the airport to the city?
1: Yep, great question. So, there are a lot of direct flights depending on where you're coming from. L- larger cities like New York, uh, any of the three major airports in New York, Miami, direct flights, Houston. And uh, Atlanta. So uh, if you're coming from one of those cities, you'll get a direct flight. If not, you'll you'll likely be traveling through there. There are some other less common uh, routes. I actually took one just last week that was uh, through Bogotá, Colombia. I I don't know if I would recommend that one as much. Uh, It was my first time taking that particular route. I I typically try to stick with um, Delta and United have really good flights going through New York and through, through Houston. So uh, that's kind of what I typically recommend. And then the airport in Lima is going to be, uh, it's it's in Callao, which is uh, a port town just north of Lima. It's it's really a part of Lima proper. It's called Jorge Chavez Airport. So that's uh, really the only option that you'll find when you fly into Lima. So it's it's pretty simple in that sense. And then what I typically recommend is either if, if you're from there, know someone from there, car services are, are very accessible. You just text someone on WhatsApp and they come and get you. But Uh, I I would truthfully just recommend Uber. Uber is is generally a very safe option. I'm sort of 50-50 between those two, uh, depending on the time of night that I'm going to be arriving. And then going to the airport, I'm almost 100% Uber. So uh, the vast majority of the travel that I personally do within Lima is going to be via Uber. Uh, Very easy, very inexpensive, much like it is in the U.S., certainly less expensive than it is in the U.S., but just as accessible.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, and in the instances where I have to rent a car, it could be a little stressful, right? You know, trying to learn the local laws, Maybe certain residents don't really follow the laws <laughs> and then, like you know, intersections are a little chaotic, stuff like that. Uh, and then also parking is, is always an issue as well, right? And so either walking or taking public transportation or using an Uber service, something like that is always more preferable for me whenever I travel. One quick question, as far as you know, flying in there, do we need uh, like a visa? Do we need any sort of shots or anything like that in order to be able to get uh, get into a uh, Peru? Yeah, no, no visa required. Uh, I I don't know exactly what the time limitation
1: is. I think you have uh, something like like somewhere between three to six months once you get in in the country to stay, uh, where you would have to you know re up uh, get an actual work visa or leave and come back. But no visa required just to just to go visit. Uh, It's very very tourist friendly.
0: Sure, sure. And then like if you are taking like a, a cab or an Uber, do we need to know some of the local language or do some of the the locals speak English or how does that work?
1: Yeah, great question not a ton of english spoken truthfully every now and then you'll find some folks who can make their way in translating with with the tourists but uh, thankfully when you're using something like uber it's not going to be a challenge you really don't need to communicate with them at all uh, as you start getting into more of the the traditional taxis which are very available as well if you're flagging them down in some of the more touristy areas you can you can say the name of the neighborhood you're going to and point and it's it's no no problems for instance, I've, I've traveled in Asian countries and it hasn't been as easy. But uh, I know plenty of Americans who have traveled in, in in Peru and have been able to get around without without speaking much Spanish. Uh, in general, of course, it's it's always helpful, uh, more helpful to
0: speak Spanish. But you shouldn't have any problems getting around. Yeah, Google Translate is definitely your friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's some really cool, uh, re- some really cool AI platforms now you can use that translate really, really quickly. So that's that's kind of crazy where we are. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Okay. So, uh, and the same thing. You know, obviously, if you're using the Uber app, you're going to be paying through your credit card. Obviously, recommend a credit card that does not use, uh, that does not charge foreign ex- uh, transaction fees. But as far as when you're dealing with a, with a taxi or some of the local restaurants or something like that, are, are credit cards accepted widely, or do you need some of the local currency, or can you just use uh, US dollars when you're traveling around?
1: Credit cards are widely
0: accepted. I
1: always think it's a safe bet to have. Uh, some local currency, if and when you do encounter a place that doesn't take credit card vast majority of the time the local currency, which is called the sol uh, or, or soles uh, that's that's preferred. I have had multiple instances where I was at a market or uh you know somewhere trying to get uh some street food or something, and they didn't accept credit card, and they tend to be a little bit you know sometimes they're not always as as accepting of the u s dollar even though they know that they can go around the corner and change it, but it's just one extra thing that they have to add so First thing I would recommend doing when you get into Lima is definitely not at the airport because the exchange rates really are not good at the airport. I've made that (laughs) mistake many times in a pinch, but, uh, yeah, try to either at your hotel or somewhere near your hotel. Even if it's a very touristy area, you're, you're going to get a better rate than at the airport.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I have like a a Schwab visa, uh, debit card that I use a lot of times when I'm traveling because they reimburse like the ATM fees and everything and they give a good exchange rate, but I know sometimes even certain ATMs are a little sketchy when you're traveling. Definitely, if you're going to go and exchange some funds that way, find the one that's like actually attached to a bank right, or in their lobby. That way you can be sure that it's not some random guy's uh, ATM. No doubt.
1: No doubt. And, and the the bank that's most prevalent there that I've had the most uh, success with in terms of the ATM is uh, BCP, uh, BCP. You'll see those ATMs everywhere. And if you have a Bank of America or a Chase or uh, Schwab, as you said, one of the more common debit cards. I I think that's typically a safe bet. In my experience, it's been a very safe bet.
0: Perfect. Okay. So let's talk about like some of the the best hotels in Lima. Like, uh, Where would you recommend people stay?
1: Yeah. So first of all, if we're talking geography, uh, I would highly recommend staying in, there's there's kind of two neighborhoods that, uh, neighborhoods, a term maybe I use a little bit too broadly. It's Really much bigger than that. Uh, there, there are zones of of Lima, Peru, where you have a little bit of everything. And you know, we talked a little bit about Ubering and taxiing around, which which is definitely needed because uh, the city is pretty spread out. But when you're in these areas, I, I think you can you can mostly walk, and that's really the best way to see the city. Uh, of course, as with any major city, you want to exercise a bit of caution at night time. So I, I would use more Uber as you're you know if you're walking a mile if you during the day at, at night I, I might take that Uber just to be safe, but. These two areas that I'm referring to are, are called Miraflores. Uh, and then the other one is called Barranco, which is just south of Miraflores. Within each of them, uh, hotel-wise, the, the hotels I typically like to re- recommend are, especially to Americans, uh, because they may have points, are the... Um, I always forget which one's which, the AC Marriott and the JW Marriott. They're, they're basically right next to each other. They're, on, they're a block away from each other, but they're both right up uh, an area that's called Larcomar, L-A-R-C-O-M-A-R. And it's a massive shopping plaza a shopping center, multi-story shopping center on the the Costa Verde, which is the, the green coast, a uh, really, really beautiful area of the city. So you can go there, there's shops and restaurants, you can sit outside and look at the ocean and have a, have a really nice dinner. That is very accessible from either of these two hotels. So that's, that's typically why I like to recommend those two. And then a couple blocks more inland, there's a hotel called the Pullman, P-U-L-L-M-A-N that uh i really like as well and uh, you know they have a really really cool bar and a nice rooftop and all of them offer nice nice views of not only the city but then also of the coast depending on which direction you're looking so those are those are the kind of three I, I typically recommend and the beauty of staying in somewhere like miraflores for instance is you can uh either 20 or so minute walk depending on where you are it could be longer you can get to barranco the second zone that i mentioned or you can just hop in a quick uber in uh, Barranco, which is going to be a little bit further south, is going to be a little bit more of a uh, kind of an artsy area. Uh, a lot of really, really amazing restaurants, slightly less touristy because there aren't uh, as many hotels. There are still uh, plenty of hotels, but I think here you get a little bit more into the local restaurants. And I think in my experience, you get to experience a little bit more of the uh, the local kind of vibes. Uh, there's museums, there's artisan markets, There. Are uh, really cool areas to pop in and, and, and check out the beach. Uh, as I mentioned, the Malecón—you can walk along the Malecón from Narcomar all the way to Barranco, like I mentioned. Uh, so there's really a lot of options between those those two areas that I typically recommend. So if you stay in somewhere like one of those two Marriotts or the Pullman, I think you're in a, a really good sort of striking distance of all these places I mentioned.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I actually used uh, one of my buddies has this uh, award search program called Aways, and the AC was only 30, 35,000 points and the JW is 45,000 points a night. So that's not bad. Uh, I've been working on my Hyatt uh, globalist status. So there's a Hyatt-centric San Isidro uh, Lima, and that was only eight, only 8,000 points. So, I mean, that was like super cheap. Uh, I love being able to save and, and get a good deal. Uh, then the, there was Holiday Inn. There was a Hilton, Doubletree. So there's... Pretty much any option of hotel points that you want to be able to spend, there's definitely a lot of options there as far, as far as that goes. Now, as far as like, you know, obviously, you know, there's so many things to do there. You talked about the Malecon and and the beaches and and all the other things. What are some of the other best things to do when you're in Lima?
1: Yeah, great question. And, and before I answer that, I would just say real quick, because you mentioned sunny sea that's another really cool area as well. I didn't mention it because it tends to be a little bit more residential. So uh, if you, if you do stay there, uh, they're, uh, excellent restaurants and, and, and some cool shops as well, but, uh, it's a little bit more inland and it's sort of an uh, upper class residential area. So, so very, very pretty, but, uh, as a tourist, I would, I would probably try to stay, you, you can stay there, but then I would probably try to walk more towards some of these other areas where I think there's a little bit more kind of nightlife and restaurants and things like that.
0: That makes sense. Uh,
1: so, so things to do while you're there, uh, man, uh, this, where do I start? So. I I keep talking about restaurants, and and I think it's just really important to note that there's so much diversity, uh, not only of people, but then also reflected in the cuisine in Peru. So I I can't emphasize enough how fun I think it is to be able to just explore different restaurants within the city and, and get different pieces of the culture everywhere you go. There's a very, very heavy influence of two different Asian populations in the Peruvian cuisine, one being... Japanese, uh, and, and the, the food that's come out of that is called Nikkei, which is going to be a Japanese Peruvian fusion. And then there's uh, the Chinese influence, which is very heavy, uh, dating back to the 1800s, when immigrants were coming in, uh, when there was a lot of opportunity in the mining industry, and there was uh, really uh, slavery that had been outlawed in the 1800s, and it opened up a lot of job opportunities. So people came from all over the place, but particularly those two countries in in Asia and the Chinese cuisine is called Chifa. So uh, there's some really, really amazing Chinese Peruvian fusion restaurants in Peru that I would highly recommend just to seek those out as you're walking around. But then also, depending on what you're into, if you like to, for instance, if you uh, want to get a little bit of culture, uh, one thing that I always recommend to people is going into the the center of Lima. So the center of Lima has a little bit of of everything. If you Want to see kind of like where where the the president, where the government is. There's what's called the the, the Plaza Mayor in the centro de Lima. Uh, You can see the really pretty government building and then stop and and get a drink in that in that courtyard within striking distance there. There are uh, really fun markets. Uh, One is called the Mercado Central, and this is a a multi-story building where you can find fruits and vegetables and meats and fish and everything you could possibly imagine all under one roof. So uh, that's a really good way to, I think, just very quickly get a good sense of what Peru is all about in one shot. And then right around there as well, there are a number of uh, restaurants and bars. But then I would also say uh, there's a place called the Museo del Pisco there, which gives you exposure to uh, the spirit of Peru, uh, which is called Pisco. It's a distillate made from grapes. And this uh, place allows you to taste all different types of varietals, try it in a cocktail, try it neat it's It's right next to that area, so it's just kind of a fun place to pop in as you're as you're roaming around. In addition to that, I would say if you're into sports, uh, not too far from there, just a little bit further south, there's the Estadio Nacional, which is where the the Peruvian uh, national soccer team plays. Now, there are also club teams that play there. I do not always recommend going to these games if uh, <laughs> uh, for safety reasons, as I'm sure you've seen on television, as I'm sure many of your listeners have seen on television soccer games in general tend to get a little bit rowdy but particularly in south america so i would definitely exercise some caution there but uh, if that is your speed i think that is a lot of fun and some of my fondest memories are are at those games uh just as with anything i would, I would definitely exercise a, a bit of caution
0: yeah if you're going to go to the game make sure that you were in the right jersey and sitting in the right section <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs>
0: Right on. Now, a little bit more on, on the cultural and history side. I saw that there was actually some ruins that are nearby that are that are pretty great to visit. Yep. So uh, back to
1: Miraflores, which is an area that we we were talking about a little bit earlier, there are some uh, ruins called uh, the Huacapuchiana, and there's actually a really good restaurant attached to it. So you can go and uh, have, a, have a really nice meal and look out over these ruins that have been there for, for thousands of years. And this is where the government basically was conducted. Uh, the government business was conducted during the, the days of the Incas. And this has remained largely intact. So they basically built up Lima around this. That's uh, within short striking distance of Lima. That's the closest ruins that I would check out. Uh, others, uh, which I'm sure you hear more about, are going to be a, a flight away or a long drive away. you get into kind of more Machu Picchu and Oriente Tambo and then even down into Arequipa. But in Lima, I would definitely start off at uh, the Guacapuchena.
0: Yeah, and like, it's one of those things, that somebody wants to go to like Machu Picchu and then some of those other uh, sites coming into Lima, spend a few days there, explore everything that Lima has to offer and then continue on to Machu Picchu and everything else. And that way, Lima is kind of like, like your, your jumping off point. For sure.
1: And um, you know, one thing I, I like to tell people a lot, we who are uh, traveling to Peru and have a finite period of time is uh, I, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I try to encourage people to spend more time in Lima, obviously being mindful that Tourists have a, a finite period of time when they're going to visit a place, so uh, they have to prioritize accordingly. Machu Picchu is is hands down I think the the most common destination, but I always encourage people if you have an extra day, if you're able to allocate one more day to being in Lima, please do so because I think there's a there's a common tendency to just fly into the Lima airport, maybe stay a night there and then fly to Machu Picchu do the Inca trail that's a four or five day excursion, and then you come back and maybe spend. half a day or a night in the lima airport and then you're flying back to the states because people take a week off but i would highly recommend i mean as with any other major city there's so much to do and you really just don't get enough of it in in a day or maybe even two in lima peru you know it's a large city with 10 million plus people and there's so much culture so uh any chance you have to to spend more time in lima that's always going to be my one of my primary recommendations
0: No, Absolutely. And you mentioned the the Incas there. There's actually an Inca market that's there also in that Miraflores area, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, One of the top places I like to send people if you have a few hours and you want to buy some traditional uh, artisanal crafts, typically a short cab ride in Miraflores. And you can buy things here uh, ranging from alpaca sweaters or local art or uh, ceramics. Uh, Some things that are really fun are Little clay ceramics called huacos, which are often shaped uh, animals, different humans. Those are really fun. If you want to take a present back to someone in the States, uh, this is kind of where you can find really authentic stuff and for, for relatively good prices too. I mean, it, it tends to get a little bit more touristy, uh, has gotten a little bit more touristy because Miraflores is a, is a really common area to be and there's been a lot more tourism in Peru lately. But I'd say the, the positive to that is most most shops there accept credit card now.
0: Oh, sure, sure. And then there's also another like kind of arts and crafts market that's over in the, the Bronco area, right?
1: Uh, yeah, you're probably referring to Dédalo. And this is a uh, similarly kind of an artisan market where uh, it primarily specializes in, in art made by local artists in the area and uh, sort of arts and crafts. And there's often live music it's kind of random. So I want to say a bit hit or miss, but you can't miss because it's such a fun place, uh, whether or not there's live music, but live music tends to be at night. And uh, every now and then they'll have pizza night. I think it tends to be on Fridays, but I I would definitely suggest going there, grabbing a coffee or grabbing a beer and just uh, soaking up the city. This is a a common place uh, for people to come pop in and uh, whether they're hanging out for a little bit or just just grabbing something to go.
0: It's by a couple hotels. So it's super accessible. But yeah, uh, De La is a really fun one. I like to send people to Nice, nice, so and we, we talked earlier about experiencing some of the food that's really kind of gives you a, a real good entrance into the culture of the area. You got all the different fusions from Japan and, and China. Uh, now, what are some like the really great recommendations that you have for for restaurants there in in Lima for that
1: yeah where Where do I begin? Uh, this is a really difficult one to <laughs> really difficult one to only mention a few, but I will try my best, so depending on where you're staying, I guess I would start off in in Miraflores. Uh, which is the the first area that I, I recommended people would stay. It sort of ranges from the street food grab and go to the more sit down, more more elevated. There's a little bit of everything, of course. One of my favorite sandwiches is called a pan con chicharrón, and it's really just a bread, kind of like a either a baguette bread or like a, a French roll, uh, depending on where you go, with pork and onions. Uh, what we call salsa criolla, so it's going to be in onions and and lime juice and salt and pepper. And de- depending on who's making it, could be some cilantro in there as well. And typically sweet potato as well. Sweet potato or, or camote, we call it, is very common in, in Peru. So there's a sandwich uh, with that that I it's one of my favorites. And uh, I would get it at a place called Palermo, which is in Miraflores. There are a few of them throughout the city, but um, uh, there's one in Miraflores uh, that I like to go to. And then if you're looking for more of a sit down meal, there uh, are a, a number of restaurants that are under the name under the ownership of a really famous chef named Gaston Acurio, who is a bit of a hero in Peru, is one of the chefs who's uh, really helped elevate Peruvian cuisine over the past 20 years. And he has a couple of restaurants called uh, Lamar, which actually has a, a few restaurants in the US now, which has been cool to see. And then another one called Tanta, T-A-N-T-A. And at, at any of those, I would, uh, starting at Lamar, uh, I, would, I would get the ceviche undoubtedly. If you're going there, they're really known for their seafood, but then any of their food, their criolla food uh, in Peru, we call any of the food that comes from Peru, criolla. So I, I, I would recommend the ceviche there and uh, getting any type of pisco cocktail, whether it be a pisco sour or a capitán or, or you're sipping it neat. That's what I would recommend there. And then at tanta, which tends to be a little bit more of kind of the, the home style meals, uh, heavier plat, uh, platos fuertes, uh, like heavy plates. The two that I recommend, uh, which are very common, are the lomo saltado which is one of these dishes that I think is a really great representation of the the Chinese influence it's a, a stir fry with beef and onions and tomatoes and uh, cilantro depending on who's making it again soy sauce and it's all fried it's all cooked in a wok and then it's served over rice and potatoes <laughs> if you're so it's it's a good one if you're a carb lover which which I am <laughs> nice i would order that one and another one is it's called ajigaina uh, which is really popular What's fun to see at a place like Tanta is both of those two things that I just mentioned, they're, they put it inside these things we call tequeños, which is uh, like in the US, it's, it's comparable to what I would say it looks a little bit like a mozzarella stick, but it, it uses queso fresco. So the flavor is different. But in this case, they're actually filling them up with lomo saltado or this other thing called ají de gallina, which is like a kind of spicy chicken and, and cheese sauce. So Tanta is really, really good. That's always a safe bet. And uh, if you're looking to go a little bit more, kind of more elevated, also in Miraflores, there's a restaurant called Rafael, which has kind of a rotating menu every month or so. So uh, I'm not going to make any specific menu recommendations other than just say order everything because it's all really, really <laughs> awesome. I would definitely order a Capitan at the bar as uh, my favorite cocktail is called a Capitan. And it's going to be uh, kind of like a Manhattan, but it's with, with Pisco, uh, the spirit that I mentioned earlier. It's going to use Pisco instead of whiskey. It's more commonly known in the U.S., the Manhattan. It's, uh, we have the Capitan in Peru. They make one of the most, uh, one of the best Capitanes uh, at, at uh, Rafael. And then one other one that, um, Lee, I actually didn't, I, I had heard about, but I didn't really get to experience firsthand until more recently, is a place called uh, Siete Sopas. And I actually had been there during the day, but I hadn't been there late night. There's a place that, uh, there's a few of them scattered around the city, but there's one in Miraflores called Siete Sopas, where uh, they serve you traditional Peruvian food, all day. Uh, the menu remains the same all, all 24 hours. You know, if, if you're out late some night, I, I would definitely, I, I would recommend going there earlier in the day as well. If you're not, if you're not a night owl, but it's a fun place to sort of slow things down after a night out. You can either have a big meal and, and keep drinking a beer, or you can have an, a nightcap coffee, uh, espresso, whatever you're into. Uh, that's a really cool place.
0: Right on. Yeah. I've, I've been working on my Spanish so that the translation for that is uh, seven soups. Is that correct? Exactly. Nice, nice. (laughs) We're right on. Uh, Alex, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Lima. I've learned so much. I really can't wait to come out there and visit. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visit Lima, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: So I'm going to give you a couple of different ones here, only because I I recognize that the first one is not always the most accessible. But if you happen to be there when I'm there, uh, uh, I'll leave my contact info at the end here. I would really love for you to reach out. But um, or I can put you in touch with some people. There is a a restaurant called Esperanza, which is going to be in a region outside of the two that we've talked about today. It's called San Juan de Miraflores. I don't want to confuse it with the more tours de Miraflores I was talking about. But it's a, a restaurant that was started many years ago by a husband and wife and have since been taken over by their two sons. One of them is a, a really highly acclaimed chef who came back in 2020. Uh, after his father passed away to run the kitchen. So he worked at uh, some really nice restaurants in Peru. He's now running a the kitchen there. And then they started a cocktail concept as well next door called Basico Brew Bar, where the brother, who just got named best bartender in Peru, interestingly, just pretty cool, uh, he is running the cocktail program there. But it's in a very, very unknown part of the city, and it's uh, not, a commonly, not a common place for tourists to go. So uh, kind of my insider tip would be if you can go there. It's called Esperanza. And Basico brew Bar with a slash. And so at Esperanza, like what will we order while we're there? <laughs> this is this is the best part about it, Lee. Uh, their menu changes every single day depending on what they have available. So I would say whatever city the chef recommends, that's exactly what I would order.
0: Nice. Okay, we could definitely do that.
1: <laughs> and then uh, at the other one at Cantarana, uh, which is going to be in Barranco. It's a very, very typical comida criolla, uh, as I talked about, which is going to be very Peruvian. It's interestingly owned by an Argentinian man. And when you go in, there's soccer memorabilia everywhere. Uh, A lot of it's Argentina, but it's it's from around the world. Uh, But they have very, very typical Peruvian restaurant, Peruvian food. And I would get, uh, I would start off with a ceviche, uh, which is going to be a a raw fish seasoned with lime juice. And uh, it's typically a white fish. And if you get a mixto, they put in shrimp and other things. And as my main, I would get the lomo saltado, which is the dish that I mentioned earlier. And I would, I would have a pilsen beer, uh, which is going to be a local, local pilsner.
0: Oh, fantastic. So much good food. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the reasons why I love to travel. Like you said, you've been, you've been traveling back and forth. You, you were born in the area. You travel back and forth for your business and, and to see family. What's one of the most memorable stories you have of being in Lima?
1: I, I would say, I mean, despite the fact that the past five years of my life, I've really been going at the highest frequency. I, my most memorable times are, are as a child, just because you're growing up and you're just sort of learning to become a person and certain memories stick out. So most of them are going to be in my early childhood years. And one in particular, I would say I referenced soccer earlier and uh, sports have always been a, a big part of my life and a, a way that I have bonded with my father at a young age. So one thing that sticks out is going to my first soccer game at the Estadio Nacional that I, that I mentioned. I was about 12. Uh, I know that my, my father always told me growing up, uh, when you're old enough, I'll take you because as, as I mentioned, it's not the safest place to be. But uh, we were able to go to a Peru versus Brazil game, which was a really, really big deal. It would still be a big deal today because Brazil obviously has a really good soccer team. So that that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. It was a really fun bonding moment and and just really, really impactful for me.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love That's one of the things I love about sports. It just creates those bonds between generations. And also it's just... It's just fun being able to like root for your team, you know? Well, speaking of uh, good times and happy memories, where's the happiest happy hour in Lima? So n- not really a
1: traditional happy hour, but uh, I would say uh, go to the Museo del Pisco that I talked about because uh, if you're not familiar with Pisco, uh, or even if you are, it's a really fun place to uh, get to try Piscos that you otherwise wouldn't have, likely wouldn't have tried it before. Uh, you can try it in sort of a tasting experience and they will tell you all about it. Where it comes from, who made it, what makes it unique, uh, or you can try it in a cocktail, and uh, so whatever whatever you prefer, it and you get to learn a little bit about the culture, you get to learn about something new, you get to drink something really really awesome, and it's near that the the plaza mayor that I talked about, so you you could do that right after checking out sort of like the the center of Lima.
0: Absolutely. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I, I travel is check out the local pizza. So, where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Lima? <laughs>
1: So I'm going to go a little bit off off script here just because uh, I have to say that I don't know if pizza would be the first thing I'd recommend in Lima just because there's so many other amazing things to try. And pizza is – there are good pizza places too. But so first thing I would say is that pizza wouldn't be my, my first thing I would look for. But <laughs> if you were, if you were, a fun thing that I actually tried for the first time on my most recent trip was a Lomo Saltado pizza. And I know it sounds crazy, but the dish that you've heard me reference multiple times on this call – They put the, so the beef uh, and the tomatoes uh, and the sauce, the soy sauce, they put that on a pizza flatbread style uh, at a hotel called Hotel B or Hotel B in Barranco. Uh, I've I've heard of it elsewhere as well, but this was the first place that I actually tried it. So while it's not a pepperoni pizza, I would seek this one out somewhere else, wherever you are in Lima, because uh, it's just so unique, you're not going to have it anywhere
0: else. Right on. So it's like you get a little bit of the flavor of home, yeah, cuz it's a pizza, but it's also like it's got that that nice uh, fusion of of the local flavors into it.
1: Exactly. And this is I mean much much like America. Uh, Peru is very much a melting pot as well, and that's that's reflected in the cuisine. What what better example than a pizza that has a Peruvian interpretation of a Chinese food on it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Now, like we talked about, you obviously travel a lot for in your personal life as well as for business. What's one of the best travel tips you have? As it relates to Lima,
1: I would just reiterate something that I said earlier, and that's spend spend as much time as you possibly have, have time to. I, I get that not everyone has the ability to, but time-wise, because there's so many other fun things to do in Peru. But if you get a chance, spend an extra day there and just go to uh, one of these two areas that I talked about, Miraflores or Barranco, and just have the cab drop you off and pop into our restaurant and, and get lost a little bit. That's what I would recommend.
0: Right on. Well, Alex, again, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and learning all about Lima. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Alex Hildebrandt, and I am a uh, Peruvian-American. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was born there. I moved to the States at a relatively young age and have traveled back and forth quite a bit in my life uh, because I have family there. Most of my family's there. But more recently, I started a Pisco company in Peru uh, alongside my friend and business partner, whose name is Ian we started this business in uh, kind of the idea in 2019. And then we uh, decided to create a brand where we produce Pisco in Peru in the southern southern region of Peru, which I I would say briefly too, as well as as a tip, maybe a travel tip that I would add on top of what I've already said, take a day trip to some of the vineyards south of Peru, I think an off very often overlooked thing uh, when you're in Lima is to uh, leave the city a little bit. So there are day trips you can take. And in fact, uh, we have begun doing them ourselves. So please shoot me a note sometime. We'd love to coordinate taking you to just about an hour and a half south of Lima. You can start getting into some really, really fun vineyards and it's near the coastline and it's really, really beautiful. So I have this brand uh, that we now sell in the US and it's called Suyo, uh, S-U-Y-O, Suyo Pisco. We have two different grape varietals that we work with and uh, it's a uh, distillate. So much like a tequila or a rum or uh, a vodka, what have you. It's going to be a higher, higher proof spirit and it's fun for sipping meat or in cocktails.
0: Cool. Well, if somebody has questions about Suyo or about Lima, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Yeah, so you can reach me personally on my Instagram and my
1: Instagram is Alex, A-L-E-X-M-H-I-L-D or you can find our brand at Suyo Pisco. It's going to be at S-U-Y-O. E I S C O, and you can uh, DM either of those, and I'd love to love to chat with anyone who's looking to make a trip to Peru and is looking for some recommendations, uh, or who wants to try Pisco.
0: Well, right on. Yeah, I'll definitely include links to both of those in the show notes. And again, Alex has been great talking to you and learning all about Lima, and uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Likewise, Lee, I appreciate your time. Great chatting with you. What an awesome conversation with Alex. Peru is such an amazing destination that's full of vibrant culture and history. Wait to visit with my family, you can find all the links we talked about today and our one page guide to Alex's tips at WeTravelThere.com forward slash Lima. We want to say thank you to AwardWall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to WeTravelThere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we head to Paris, France to speak with my new friend Jay Swanson of Paris in My Pocket. In this episode, Jay and I talk about attending the Nuit Blanche uh, annual Contemporary Art Festival, seeing the sunrise at Sacré-Cœur, and seeing the fireworks at the Eiffel Tower on Bastille Day. We Hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at There or email me at WeTravelThere.com for slash contact to share your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way we we'll won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.